see, why are we carrying our burdens by ourselves when he said we should take his yoke for it is easy and his burden it's like why are we carrying it ourselves why not exchange you see and as we carry on our own it becomes excess baggage and we all know what excess baggage does it bogs you down it holds you back doesn't allow you to move the way you ought to go so why not lay it down he says come and lay down the burdens you have carried for in the sanctuary that's us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So in us and here as a group, he's here with us. So why don't we lay it down before him? Exchange so that he sets us free because he's here to set us free. Our God is good. And we must always learn that sometimes we like to play pity party. Maybe we hold on to it so people will look at us and say, oh, poor Ben, poor Michael, poor Joseph, poor Jerry, poor Lucy. I'm not referring to any Lucy or any Ben or any other name. I'm just calling out names, random names, right? So no more pity parties because he says, lay them down before me and let me set you free. And in, you see, the freedom that the Lord gives us is true freedom. You see, when he sets us free, we are truly set free indeed. Proper freedom, true freedom. In our Christian walk, we must learn at all times to speak words of exhortation, words that build up, words that edify. There's the tendency, I think it's a natural thing, where we tend to pull people down or bring people down. We must turn it around the other way, build up. Because in building people up, we ourselves are lifted up with them. And let's be joyful when people are happy when people are joyful be joyful with them let's celebrate with them as we celebrate with them they will come and celebrate your victory with you as well god is good let's today we're going to go through quite a number of verses scripture verses the first of these will be uh, zachariah 4 6 i'm sure we know this Get my Bible to open Zachariah. And I'll be reading in the Amplified. So if it sounds different to what you're reading, that's fine. I'm just reading the Amplified. Uh, Zachariah chapter 4. And then we go to 6. But then I'll go backwards later. I just want to point this first. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, prince of Judah, saying, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. What are you? O great mountain, and it's got in brackets, which is why I like the Amplified, mountain of obstacles. Before Zerubbabel, who will rebuild the temple, you will become a plain, and he will bring out the capstone of the new temple with loud shouts of grace, grace to it. You see, this is simply pointing out one simple thing. 
It's not by power. Our walk, our victory, it's not by power nor by might, but by the leading of the Spirit of the Lord. And by the leading of his Spirit, he grants us the victory. Which is why he's saying here, who art thou, O great mountain? Referring to obstacles. What is the obstacle before you? What is the obstacle ahead of you? It shall become like a plane. It shall not exist when the Spirit of the Lord takes over and deals with it. It shall make way. It shall give way. Nothing can hold us back. Nothing at all. So do not be discouraged. Do not fear. Yes, challenges will come. Issues of life always get in the way. But you see, in God and through God, all things are possible. He makes all things new. And it is beautiful in its time. Hallelujah. I'm going to read again from another scripture. This time we're going to the Old Testament. I want to bring an analogy here and bear with me as I try to break it down. Um, the Jews, okay, let's go to Exodus. We are God's own people, children of God. Exodus 15, and we go from 23 to 25. Then they came to Marah, but they could not drink its waters because they were bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. That's bitter. The meaning of Marah is bitter. The people grew discontented and grumbled at Moses, saying, what are we going to drink? Then he cried to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a tree, a branch of which he threw into the waters, and the waters became sweet. Hallelujah. See, the Jews at this time were going through the wilderness. And you know in the desert, wilderness is desert. Uh, Desert signifies dryness, no growth, no increase, no greenery, no rain, closed heavens. Nothing seems to happen in a desert place or desert condition. It's all dry, barren. That's what it speaks of. In the midst of that, there was a source of water. But that source of water could not be drunk because there was something else wrong with the water. And the people complained and murmured, turned to Moses. Let's look at what was done. A tree, a branch of a tree was taken and put in that water. And that tree touching the water, being in the water, changed the situation around completely. It became sweet. It became drinkable. This is a forerunner to what Jesus did for us. The bitterness of the water signified a curse. But when the tree was introduced in it, it changed its composition and became sweet. The same way Jesus, this is the forerunner to Jesus. We see Jesus right through the Bible. He died on a tree. 
on the cross. The cross is made from wood and wood from a tree. He died on that cross. And through his death, that sacrifice, we were given life. He brought us into the kingdom of heaven, into the kingdom of God, if we believed. So he gave us that to use in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. The tree was used to change the composition of the water to make it drinkable for the people of Israel. We see right through scripture examples of this, of a tree being used. That's a forerunner to Christ, him being crucified on a tree, on a cross, if you wish. But it's the same thing, all from a tree. And it's the same thing. And with him in the situation, things always turned around. They changed for the better. They improved. They increased. So in our walk, when we find ourselves in a desert situation, or when we find ourselves in a situation where there is Mara all around us, what should we do? Who should we turn to? There's only one person, and there's only one thing to do, to turn to Christ. Because with him in our situation, there is a change. It makes a difference to that situation. He turns it around. He turns it around completely. Something that seemed impossible. When he's involved in it, it becomes possible. With him, all things are possible. That's the one we serve. Isn't that beautiful? And you see, the interesting thing is, sometimes when I speak to people, um, they always wonder, oh, what's the catch? When you talk to them about just accepting, giving their lives over to Christ, they always think there must be a catch because they can't grasp the concept of freely given. They think there is a catch. And there is a catch. Uh, There is a catch. I'm sure you're wondering, what's he talking about? Yes, there is a catch. The catch is this. You must believe and accept. You have a part to play. Accept. Believe with your heart and confess with your mouth. That's the catch, if you call it a catch. I would want to call that a catch. Because when you want to draw people in to the kingdom, you've got to go to a level where they can understand you, where they can relate with you, so you can draw them in. If you're up there and they're there, uh uh-uh, you're talking different languages. It's like chalk and cheese. They don't get you. But if you come to their level, Paul did the same. When he went in Greece, he was talking about the unknown God. Those people had lots of gods. And there was one with with the inscription, to the unknown God. Paul used that and said to them, that unknown God is the God that we serve, God of all the universe. Sometimes we need to align with them to get them to understand us, and then we can bring them over. Jesus did that all the time, didn't he? He related with tax collectors, with prostitutes. He didn't find them beneath him, but rather he went down to their level. He related to them in order to get them to change, in order to cause them to have a transformed life. A life can be transformed by somebody you can understand, somebody who can relate to you, somebody who gets you, somebody who empathizes with you. But if the one is way up there and looks down their nose at you, you're not even going to listen to them, are you? You won't. And actually, it's not even 
biblical because we should, we should love. It talks about love. The one that we follow is filled with love. And that is what needs to come out of us when we're squeezed. When we're squeezed, when we're buffeted on all sides, the juice that oozes out, what is it? Is it bile? Is it bitterness? Is it anger? Is it all those things? Or is it love? You see, if Christ lives in us and we are in him, there must be that process of transformation where a part of him gets into us so we become part of him. And therefore, love oozes into us and through us. So if we squeeze, we can't get, how do I put this? Um, If we soak a sponge in some sort of juice, let's say orange juice, It's obvious that when you squeeze it, you're going to get orange juice out, isn't it? And it's the same thing. If love has flowed into us and we are buffeted on every side, that love should ooze out of us. It should. Rather than bile. Bile is bitter. You know, bile, bile, bile. When you, um, how do I put this? Way back, I remember when cooking was being done in our home. Way back, way, 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 way back. Way back, and I mean way back. Ancient times. I, I, I used to watch certain things. When the chicken is opened up, it's not like these days where all you do is go into the supermarket, you pick up the chick, it's all done for you. There's nothing you have to do. Just pick it up and slot it in the oven. No, 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 no. Then, for those who don't know, chickens don't magically appear in the freezers in the supermarkets. <laughs> they are red and they are killed and the feathers plucked off. Being there, done that. I've done all that before. I know how to really slaughter. I, I know how to pluck the feathers. My one challenge was splitting it open and removing everything out of it. And there's a small little green bit in there called the bile. Now, you have to be extremely careful when you're getting the insides, the entrails out of the chicken. Because we'll be tied you if you, by mistake, puncture that. It's some green fluid. Makes, thank you. And that's bitterness. It spoils your chicken for you. You don't want that. So you have to be careful. Now, so that bitter thing that may be in us, in fact, in the world, it's bitterness. But when Christ comes in, it's love. Love dilutes that bile in us and therefore makes love ooze out of us. 
we shouldn't let that bile take charge because it just brings bitterness in our lives. Bitterness to all that we do, but that's not God's solution. You see, we're talking about Mara, 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 Mara. So that bitter water, because the tree was plunked into it, it became sweet. It changed the composition of the water to one of sweetness. You see, and that's God's solution to everything in our lives. He throws a tree, or he's already thrown that tree for all humankind and says, come to me. Come, come, come. Now, if we come and receive that bitter water, that mara that we can't take or couldn't take, changes its composition, and therefore we are able to take it. The difficult issues of life that seem impossible, that seem to be obstacles in our lives, become passable or manageable because there's Christ in us and he takes us through every challenge, every obstacle, and every situation. We should not and cannot let that bile reign or rule in our lives. With the tree, it brings a relief. They got a relief from being able to drink the water. We need water for sustenance. Now, they couldn't take the water because it wasn't the right composition. But with Christ in it, it became right. Therefore, they got sustenance. Therefore, they could move on. Therefore, they stopped grumbling. You see, when Christ comes in, all those things fall away. They fall away. They fall away. Because he changes the composition of it completely and makes it flow the way it ought to flow. So in every situation, we must remember the tree, the cross, lay it all at the cross. Lift up our hands to him and call him and he will deliver, he will save us, he will bring us through. That's what Christ does. Remember, we build up, we edify at all times. And the interesting thing is, as Christians, we are not promised an unchallenged life, rather, our lives peppered with challenges all around. You turn to the left, there's a challenge. To the right, there's a challenge. You look behind you, there's a challenge. Ahead of you, mega challenge. So, what do you do? Do you stand still and just watch? Oh, poor me, poor me, poor me, poor me. I can do nothing. Look at what's happening to me. No, 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 no. As children of God, as believers in Christ, we are soldiers. We are soldiers. And we've got some weapons of mass destruction, deadly weapons. In our daily walk, we will meet with challenges. Now, when those challenges come, what do we do? Do we just say, oh, poor me, fold our arms and give up and just simply say, chesera, sera, whatever will be, will be? No, no. Christ doesn't expect us to say that. He's already given us that. He's given us those weapons of mass destruction. And those weapons we need to put on. 
we need to put those weapons on. We're going to look at those weapons and we're going to see that indeed there are seven or so in all. Almost the entire body is covered, but for a small bit in your back, everywhere else is covered. And we're supposed to, the, the weapons are such that we need to keep going forward. We go forward. We keep going. We keep going. He leads and we go. Let's look at these weapons. Let's turn to um, let me get the scripture. Before we look at the weapons, I want us to look at, take a look at one scripture. Let's quickly look at 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Three to five. 10, 3 to 5. For though we walk in the flesh as mortal men, we are not carrying on our spiritual warfare according to the flesh and using the weapons of man. The weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood. Our weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying sophisticated arguments and every exalted and proud thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought and purpose captive to the obedience of Christ. Did you see that? Let me read it again. For though we walk in the flesh as mortal men, we are not carrying on spiritual warfare according to the flesh and using the weapons of man. The weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood. Our weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying sophisticated arguments and every exalted and proud thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought and purpose captive to the obedience of Christ. Hallelujah. So you see, it's not weapons of the flesh. They're spiritual weapons and they have a purpose. God has won the victory already for us and he said, my son, my child, my daughter, this is the weapon. This is what you do. This is what you use. We'll see that in Ephesians. Can we quickly look at Ephesians? Ephesians chapter 6. 6.10. The armor of God. 6.10. 10 to 18. So verse 10. In conclusion... Be strong in the Lord, draw your strength from him, and be empowered through your union with him, and in the power of his boundless might. Put on the full armor of God, for his precepts are like the splendid armor of a heavily armed soldier, so that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the schemes and the strategies and the deceits of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, 
but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural places. Therefore, put on the complete armor of God so that you will be able to successfully resist and stand your ground in the evil day of danger. And having done everything that the crisis demands to stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, victorious. So stand firm and hold your ground, having tightened the wide band of truth. So we're starting now. The wide band of truth, belt of truth, maybe that's what it appears, how it appears in the Bible. Personal integrity, moral courage, around your waist, and haven't put on the breastplate of righteousness, that's another weapon, an upright heart, and haven't strapped on your feet the gospel of peace in preparation to face the enemy with firm-footed stability and the readiness produced by the good news. Above all, lift up the protective shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation, that's another weapon, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of the Lord, the helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit. With all prayer and petition, pray with specific requests at all times and on every occasion and in every season in the spirit. And with this in view, stay alert with all perseverance and petition interceding in prayer for all God's people. Amen. Amen. See, it covers us all there. From head to toe, we are covered, we are sealed in, and we march on, we move forward. We don't go on our own because the Lord goes with us at every time. He will not leave us alone. His word declares that the Lord himself goes before you and he will be with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He asks us not to be afraid, not to be discouraged. He's leading. He leads us in every battle, in every situation. And we find that it's only the small of the back area that is not really covered. But that's fine because we are marching forward. And the weapons that we have are sufficient to deal with the issues, the challenges that come our way. They are spiritual in nature. So we must bear that in mind. What happens in the spirit realm, usually there's a manifestation in the natural. We need to deal with issues in the spirit realm, spiritual warfare. We deal with that. Once we deal with that, the natural changes. It changes. We can enforce that. We've been given that authority to enforce that. And we must actually exercise that authority that has been given to us. Can you imagine your manager, your director, manager, whoever oversees your work, giving you authority to do stuff on behalf of the organization and you do not do those things and the organization suffers? The first question will be, why didn't you? Because you've been given that authority. 
You see, that authority that has been given to us, we need to exercise and exercise it at all times. We need to move in that, in the power that has been given to us. We need to face it. We don't need to turn our backs. We need to face it. We need to go on. The authority has been given to us by Christ, and we are, decl- we are supposed to walk in it at all times. Authority, authority, authority. We should change from the situation where we see ourselves as victims. We're not victims, or we shouldn't have the victim mindset or mentality. We are victorious. We are more than conquerors. That's who we are, not victims. Christ overcame the curse of the law. Christ overcame the world that we, in turn, would walk in victory. The Christian walk is one of warfare every day. You may not see it, you may not know it, but there is constant warfare. Because they hated Christ, you, as a Christian, will be hated You may know it, you may not know it, but you will be hated by the kingdom of darkness. So you have to have your guard on. You have to be prepared. I remember growing up, um, I joined the scouts movement, and if I remember, was it Cap Scout or was it Scout itself? The motto was, be prepared. I can't remember which it was. So as Christians, as Christian soldiers, we must be prepared at all times. We must have these armor, these weapons of, as I call the mass destruction on, these weapons must be on at all times. It's not something that we put on today and then go put in some corner, chuck in the corner, and then go on with life. Because you can't go through life without them. You need them on constantly. Your, con- your walk is constantly filled with you in warfare gear. Because the enemy does not like you. The enemy hates Christians because of Christ. Hates, 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 hates Christians. So we must have our weapons ready, at the ready at all times. Can you imagine if you're in a war situation and instead of having been on guard and watching the enemy so that they don't take you by surprise or attack you without you knowing, you sleep somewhere, you go and fall asleep. You, before you know it, you're, you're destroyed. You must be on your guard at all times, praying at all times in the spirit. That tunes you into the wavelength of the Holy Spirit. You're tuned in. So the Holy Spirit instructs you and shows you and prompts you at all times. Having the helmet of salvation, the shoes of peace, the breastplate of righteousness constantly on, we move forward and we're not surprised by the work of the enemy or the attacks of the enemy because we can repel those attacks by our, by our actions and by our saying. When the devil approached Christ, what did, what did Christ do? He used the word. He used the word. He used the word and compelled the en- enemy to back off. He couldn't because that was the word. That's the word. The word has power. It has that power. It pushed the enemy away, pushed the enemy back. We must have that word, the word of God in our mouths and in our hearts at all times so that we can use it in every situation, every situation, so we can change circumstances by our words and our actions. Let's quickly look at another scripture. 
Romans chapter 5 and 17. Romans. For if by the trespass of the one, death reigned through the one, that's Adam, much more surely will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in eternal life through the one Christ Jesus. Simply telling us, because by grace we've received salvation and Christ is the one who overcame, we are also overcomers. We are victorious. So we have authority. We can declare and it will happen. Do we believe the word of God? Do we stand on his word? On his promises? He tells us, I'm seated, we, in fact, we, this should be our confession. Every day, I'm seated in heavenly places. I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. At the Father's right hand, I'm seated in heavenly places. In old times, and I remember growing up, I don't know why, but it seemed to be your right side or right hand was the area of power, of authority, of all good. I don't know about you, but I'm talking about me, Ben. This is Ben here. Right. In the same way, Christ is seated with the Father on his right hand, and we, by association, are with him. So we are seated in heavenly places. The enemy, far above principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, we are above them. We must remember that at all times and make that confession. Declare it every time as you walk. Whatever you're doing, I'm seated in heavenly places. And Luke 10, 19, I'll just summarize. It's, uh, it tells us we have authority to trample the serpents and scorpions and trample upon all the power of the enemy. We have power through Christ. And we're told, resist the devil and he will flee. How do you resist? When he comes at you with all kinds of thoughts, all kinds of things, showing you all things, what do you say to him? You use the word of God as your weapon. You use the word of God as your weapon against him and he will flee. He has no choice. He will go, he will flee. We need to use the name of Jesus in all that we do. Because you see, as we call upon his name, situations bow, circumstances give way. At the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee bows and every tongue confesses that he is Lord. Every situation has to bow as you call upon his name. That's how powerful the name is. So do we call upon his name in trying times? Jesus, that's what we do. That's what we should do. And you see, it's interesting. This same name, Jesus, that name is love. It's filled with power. The name Jesus is filled with life. The name Jesus is filled with light. The name Jesus breaks every stronghold. What is that stronghold that is trying to hem you in? Shout out the name of Jesus and it will give way. The chains will be broken and we will be set free because we are overcomers. Christ died for us and he delivered us and he set us free. And you see, 
In Romans 8, 31, it says to us, what then shall we say to this? If God be for us, who? And I like to add, what? Who can be against us? And indeed, what can be against you if Christ be for you? Absolutely nothing. Let's remember, we have these weapons. We've been given victory. Are we then turning around to say, oh, am I really victorious? Yes, you are. Don't doubt. Mindset. The battle of the mind. We must overcome it. The mind. The mind. Sense knowledge. Sense knowledge wants to have predominance over the spirit. It should be the other way around. You see, before we're born again, that one seems to be the chief, seems to prevail. When we get born again and walk with Christ, that should take second place to that, your spirit. Your spirit must be ahead on top of that sense knowledge. Because there are certain things that happen in life that that one cannot comprehend. It doesn't make sense and therefore it tends to reject. But you see, can you imagine? Let's, let's, let's look at this. Let's try and remember this. Walls of Jericho. Not through weapons hammering the walls, but by shouts, they sunk. It doesn't make sense with this. The mind, no. But if you have that belief, that spirit, that you know all things are possible, all things, all things are possible to them that believe, then nothing is impossible. We know our God. He is capable of using anything and anyone. So let's remember that he loves us. He's given us the victory. We need to take hold of what he's already done for us and what he's given to us and walk in it every day of our lives. Let's not forget this. Let's not keep having pity parties. The days of pity parties are over. Oh, poor me, poor me. No, not poor you. Not poor you. No, 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 no. Victorious me. That's what the Lord says. You walk in victory. Yes, it may seem like it, it's, it's an impossible situation. But you see, what do you see? What are you looking at? Are you looking at that obstacle, that challenge ahead of you? Or are you seeing the victory coming up? It's a choice. And we have to make the right choice. We have to remember. It's a mindset. We need to change that at all times. We need to work on our minds. And we have to believe. Believe. Believe, believe at all times that with Christ all things are possible. We must allow him to work in us and through us at all times. And where we have doubts, let's turn to him. Turn to him. Let's turn to him and speak to him. Speak with him. He'd be surprised at what could happen speaking to your father. <laughs>